uh, teach and train this area because it will help as we go forward as a church. And many of you have joined the team a couple years ago, really got saved a couple years ago, got really involved a couple years ago. And when you're first getting involved and coming to Christ and getting on the team, it's always very exciting. And there's this adrenaline that we run on and we're building something for Jesus and I'm a part of something amazing. And that's true. Uh, but what can happen is this area that I want to talk about called familiarity can set in our life in so many areas. I'm going to really talk about ministry, but I'm going to have you expose every area of your life that what once could be so exciting, what once could be something that you, you know, lived by and were driven by and had creative ideas for, familiarity can set in and it could rob your life. And I'm going to uh, share with you, I think, tonight nine things of what familiarity will do in our life. And I want to expose that because I want to make sure as our team, you want to come up, Pastor Paul? Everybody come forward who needs to come forward. We'll go ahead and have a seat. That way I don't have lots of motion going on. Deborah, come on in. Okay, wonderful. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. I just want to make sure everybody hears this and we're all on the same page. So um, anyway, I just want to beware that as we continue to grow as a church, that we're keeping our momentum up that we're keeping our excitement up, that we're keeping our passion up for what we bought into two years ago, this call of God, this position of God, this building the kingdom of God. And being in ministry for 30 years, it's very easy for familiarity to set in, and we lose the value of what we once were willing to give everything for. Amen? And so uh, some of you, like I said, have never heard this before. Some of it, you, it'll be just a fresh reminder, but I really felt like the Lord wanted us to bring it to the forefront so that we're staying in this momentum and we're staying excited for what God is doing. And so the first thing at the top of the page, we're going to talk about the dangers of familiarity. And um, the quote right underneath it says, what becomes common, you don't honor anymore. And so what becomes common or what you become familiar with, what becomes, you know, you've always had it in your life a little bit, you find yourself not honoring it. You're not giving it first place anymore. It's not being priority in your life. Amen. And uh, the word familiarity means this. It's a state of having knowledge about something, which is wonderful in one respect that when you're dating and, and you're married, you get familiar and you're used to knowing things about each other. Um, it also means a friendly and formal way of acting or talking. So many of you who met each other a couple years ago, now you've become friends. You know about your families. You know about your children. Now you have friendly conversation and it's wonderful. But the area of familiarity that we want to expose is not just the friendship level, but being aware that it's going to become common and lose the the honor in that position. You know how when you're first dating, you know, and uh, you just love them so much, you can't wait to be with them, you want to spend time with them, you'll, you'll sacrifice money to be with that person, you'll sacrifice time to be with that person, right? Because you're enjoying this relationship. But then what happens is you become familiar. You know each other's weaknesses, you know each other's flaws, right? You know the ups and the downs. And then what used to be an awesome relationship 
together now becomes familiar and you lose respect for one another. You know, you, you don't value when you have your time together. Uh, you, you lose the value in the words that you may speak to one another where you never would have spoke a certain way. And this isn't a marriage seminar, a relationship seminar. I'm just giving a very good raw reality of what happens with familiarity. You say things you wouldn't normally say, right? Say things that you probably would regret. And so I want to expose that in this area of familiarity in the church, that what we used to respect, we want to continue to respect. We want to be mindful of relationships in the church, right? Be mindful how we communicate with each other. Uh, be mindful in how we're serving in our position and, and our heart as we're serving in the kingdom of God. Amen? So we don't want to have a casual disregard, which is what familiarity is. It's a casual disregard. It can happen in your relationship with God, right? Where, you know, maybe you had this relationship in the word of God and you were in God's word and you were spending time in prayer and, and you were spending time in worship and in that first walk with God, but now it's become a casual disregard. Well, if I spend time with the Lord this week, I hope I get to it, right? Do you see how that's familiarity? Now God has become common to us. Relationship with God has become common. Relationship to his word or how about even your life? You can get so familiar with your life that you wake up and you're 24-7 and you live Groundhog Day over and over and over again. And you're not making any adjustments because you've come familiar. Um, church, obviously, is uh, you become familiar where um, maybe, you know, a couple years ago, and I'm not saying you're not doing that. I'm bringing awareness. This is a teaching moment, right, where you would come in for worship and you came in ready to worship. You know, you were flooding the altars um, just in that moment of worship, and you had a heart of expectancy in that time of worship, and you were bringing people to get filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, bringing friends and coworkers. That was all happening two years ago. There was this great momentum. And that really pushed the stride into where we are right now. And so I want to be careful as a pastor and as leaders that we're not so familiar with worship now. I'm familiar with the praise team and how they, I'm familiar with that song, right? Oh, we've heard this song quite a bit or whatever. Now we're familiar with the surroundings. We're losing the honor of that moment of worship. I, I was under a pastor um, many, many years ago in her communication style really drove me nuts. The tone of her voice drove me crazy. How she communicated it drove me crazy. But I had to learn to hone into the message that she was speaking. I couldn't be, and I traveled with her. I did a lot of things with her. But I couldn't become familiar to the point that the message that she was speaking wasn't still changing my life. Her message still wasn't motivating me. Her message wasn't um, mentoring me. I had to be careful of familiarity and go, okay, I have to wade past all of that familiarity, and I still have to pull from that word. And so even as worship here, I want to make sure that we're coming in and we are on fire for worship. And you may be like, I've heard that song a hundred times. Let's not be too familiar with the song and let's be, say, hey, I'm here for God's presence. I'm here to continue to worship. I'm going to come on fire every Sunday and continue to be expecting during worship time, right? I'm going to worship even when I don't feel like worshiping because somebody next to me may see my worship and my worship may set them free, right? We want to keep this momentum up because what got us where we are is what we need to continue to do to go to the next level of momentum. The worst thing we can do as a church is we miss the wave of this momentum and then we're stuck back on the sand shore again. 
it's very hard to catch that next wave that's going to come out. So I just feel this urgency that we have to still be excited about the things that we were excited about two years ago and not become too familiar with them. And even be familiar with, with the pastors and the leaders. And one thing I love about our church and as a pastor, it's very challenging because my nature is, man, I want to be out there playing with you all. And I do. You know, I want to be out there being your friend. And I want to be out there and doing these games and showing my real self. And it's dangerous as pastors and leaders for us to really show our vulnerable selves because now what you used to find honoring, you could find familiar. You understand? I believe there was a time in the church where pastors couldn't get among their sheep. They, they, they just couldn't. The, the sheep would become familiar, and then the culture of that season of the church, they may see the human side of that pastor. Now all they see is the human side, and they're not receiving the word of called by God in the mouth of that pastor or leader. That's familiarity. Now I'm seeing the human, and I'm not seeing the anointed one. What I love about the young generation, this, this millennial generation, which has changed things, which has made us as pastors more reachable, is that they created a culture of we can be real. And that's wonderful. I love that we can be real. I love that we can come down and have swimming parties with you and, and we can play these silly games and and that's wonderful, but we have to be mindful of to say, but I may have see their natural side, but I always have to pull from the anointing side. Because the moment that you don't receive the anointing, you are open prey for the enemy. And what used to be a voice of power, a voice of authority, a voice of moving your family, now not the human, but the voice of God, right, the called position of God, now you're not receiving anymore. So you come in, you're kind of on your phone during, during the church service, right, and I don't see anybody doing this, but I know how things are. You know, what used to get you in your seat, you couldn't hang it on the edge of your seat for the word, hanging on the edge of what's going to happen in the altar ministry, how God's going to move today, now we can't get anybody in the sanctuary on time, right? Now we find, well, now we're congregating outside and everybody's kind of socializing. And if I make it in for the word, I do. Uh, but now I've made a buddy and a pal, so we're all kind of just catching up out there, okay? These are the things we have to be mindful of. Now, I have, you know, go out, have a little, I'm not trying to be legalistic, but we have to be mindful of the purpose why we are leaders. So we need to say, hey, maybe I'm slacking in this area of coming in hungry for the word. You know, where this church maybe, and I don't need a shouting church in the sense of, you better shout because I have an ego, but an, an attachment to the word brings life to the atmosphere. It, there's, there is, it's a synergy that happens, and, and there's a faith that at nights when the church comes together. So when you're amening and you're connecting to the word of God and you're taking notes and you're taking those notes home and it's not just walking out of here, boy, that was a great service, but now they're teaching things that's aiming our church. So I'm going to take these notes and I'm going to bring it home. And how can I make this a part of my family's life? How can I make this a part of my children's life? How can I make it a part of my schedule? See what I'm saying? We don't want to be so familiar that we're just coming now and not really pulling from the word, not really pulling for the, from the anointing. We want to make sure that we're coming on point and not being distracted by many things like Martha. Amen? 
So being, being careful of that, being careful of being common with communion. I've been doing communion for a thousand years, you know, and it, we can become common. And, and I've been studying about communion, trying to make that truth come alive. And God called us to have communion. I don't want it to be just religious sacraments. I want to know the revelation of why we take communion, you know. Um, water baptism, all those things can become common in our life. Even the area of repentance can become familiar in our life. I don't, I don't need to, you know, God isn't convicting me of things that I need to repent of, things that I need to get right of um, in my life. Amen? So these are just areas I want to ignite and I want to help you understand familiarity. And I know all of you can spot it a little bit in some place in our hearts, right? Whether it's in your job or, or your marriage, but I'm, I'm honing in on the ministry. I want to make sure that you're not common in the ministry because we really, as leaders, got to stay focused and go where God's going to take this church because we are going to bust the doors wide open because we are called to the kingdom of God. Amen. And there, I'm to tell you, the enemy is so mad right now. He's so mad at this church and he has no rights over us. He has no authority over us, but we are being truth. We're teaching the word of God with no compromise. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through this church with no compromise. Amen. We're allowing that. And so because of that, the enemy is not going to sit back and just let that happen. He's going to try to put commonality between the team and, and get dissension coming. And I don't believe it's happening now, but we need to be wise and recognize, hey, if I'm speaking to my team members the way I wouldn't have two years ago, maybe I need to get my heart in check. Maybe I don't need to be familiar with them. Let me give you a good example, and then we'll get into our points. But when I went into full-time ministry, I went in under my parents. And so, you know, we all know we're real at home, right? So I know mom and dad. I know the real people. And so when they became my pastors, I wasn't aware of it. But all of a sudden, when they became my pastors and I was working for them, we started bucking heads. I started getting uh, angry easily, started getting offended easily, started getting frustrated easily. And I didn't know what it was in this. We had this conflict that I've never had with them before other than normal family stuff. And uh, I, I knew that I wasn't seeing them as my pastors. I was seeing them as common. I was seeing them as my mom and dad and not really who they were called to be in my life and in the kingdom, even though I've seen God move in their life. But again, familiarity is common. And what you see is common, you don't honor. And what you don't honor, you don't receive from. And so um, I just said, well, Lord, you have to help me with this one because I don't know how I'm going to see. I don't know how I'm going to submit to my parents. This is a tough one. And one day I was just sitting at a Bible study. I was playing the piano, and a bunch of people were worshiping God. And my parents walked in the room to pray for people. And as soon as they walked in the room, it was like I saw the anointing on their life. And I'm playing, and I look at, oh, my gosh, I see the anointing. And I said to myself, I can submit to that. See, so we're not asking you to submit to man and carnal ways. If you do that, there'll be friction, there'll be frustration. But you submit to the anointing of God. You submit to the call of God on the church, on our bishop, on, your, on myself as the lead pastor of the church, on the pastoral staff and elders that are underneath, are been, oh, well, sharing together, right? We want to make sure that we're submitting in the spirit so that we're constantly receiving from them. Amen? Okay, so let's go ahead and go to our notes. And, of course, everything changed in my life at that moment. And we still fought and stuff, but it was better than it used to be. <laughs> All right, let me find my notes here really quick. I got a little bit out of order here somehow. 
Goodness gracious. There's number two. That's what happens when I study. Six, seven. Oh, it's right here. Okay, awesome. Okay, let's dive right in. I still feel like I'm missing the notes here, everybody. Hope I didn't. Leave it at home. Hang on one second. Hmm. Okay, let me just look at this notes. I don't know what happened. Familiarity brings, breeds contentment. That's the number one. Breeds being contempt. Here it is. Sorry. Familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt means this, a casual disrespect or disregard. It is a lack of respect or the reverence of something, right? And the act, it could actually go as far of when you become familiar with something, you end up, when you are familiar and you don't honor it, you end up despising. We've been in the ministry long enough where people have loved Bishop and Pastor Gloria, and then when familiarity set in with everything in the church and, and finding them as common, now they went, they despised my mom and dad. Bitter ends. I mean, walking away in bitter discussion and pulling people out of the kingdom of God. This is how dangerous familiarity can be. If you look over, I want to open up to uh, Luke chapter 7. And we'll go through these quick, so I don't think you're going to be here all night, I promise. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, and we're going to start there. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can look on your phones or, or listen. And it says this in verse 36, And one of the Pharisees asked him, being Jesus, to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. So what happened? These holy men, these high-profile men, heard about Jesus and his signs and his wonders and his miracles. And I can't imagine the perception they must have had of this great man that did mighty work. So they sent out an invitation and said, Jesus, come and eat with us, right? And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask full of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair on her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, what you have to understand in this time, Jesus walked from city to city to city, and he walked in the dirt. And as they traveled, it wasn't like they had normal shoes like us. Their feet were hot when they arrived at their location. They were filthy. They were dirty, right? It was a big ordeal. And what was tradition when you would come as a guest into someone's house, the first thing they would do would offer you warm water to clean your feet, but what happened, and we'll go on into the story, they never offered Jesus that commonality. They never offered Jesus that right. And because the woman showed up and she was the one, compassion of Jesus came in and washed his filthy feet with her hair and with her tears. She honored him in a way that the Pharisees couldn't see Jesus. And we'll, we'll see why in just a minute. So go down to verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said 
He turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you never gave me water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss me with my feet since the time that I came in. What happened? They believed that Jesus showed up. They thought he was going to be this amazing, arrogant, like the priest. They thought he was going to be something more than he was. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, they saw him as common. They saw him as just a man. And when they did that, they treated him just like a man and did not give him honor. So when, when, when honor is coming into your life and you see it as common, you miss the opportunity to receive the blessing of what God is trying to show you. Amen? How often do we take the presence of God for granted when he shows up at our house? How often do we take the presence of God for granted when we come into the church service, right? Like I said before, we might just have a flippant attitude instead of really coming in fully engaging and we're seeing things as common and not as holy any longer. She does a strange thing. She, she is, does a wonderful thing. She washes his feet with her tears. She wipes them with his with uh, his feet with her hair but the pharisees saw him as common from a distance maybe jesus was someone who was amazing now jesus was just a man sitting across his table and they saw jesus as a man someone just like themselves and because they saw someone just like themselves they didn't honor or respect the anointing that was on jesus's life familiarity brings content in the beginning we coveted the presence of god maybe now we take it for granted we were awed by him, but maybe now we're not so amazed. Has things become ordinary common in the life where we need to breed up that passion again? Amen. Songs that we sing, have they become a habit? The Bible that we read, has it become dry and old? Or is it still exciting and fresh in our life? Or has it become honor? Or has it become common? Amen. There was a quiet reverence that she gave Jesus when she showed up to his house. Something that you have to see about the Lord's presence in this story is that the Lord Jesus never would say, why don't you minister to me? Jesus never told one of them, honor me, respect me, don't you know who I am? But the presence of God will always wait back and wait for you to honor him. See, we don't want to be so common that we're missing our moment to love on Jesus. We're missing our moment to get in our worship again. Missing our moment to be in the word of God. Because God will never say, come and honor me. He'll never rebuke you. He'll never correct you. But his presence is always there. And it's our job to notice him and give him the honor that is due him. He remained silent and waited for someone to notice him. And then he brought the rebuke, right? He said, this woman has done the great thing. And we're not to be common or familiar with Jesus. Amen? All right. Number two, familiarity will cause you to lose reverence for holy things. Lose reverence for holy things. I want to open up to John 2, 16. And it says this. This is the story of Jesus driving out the people who were selling goods at the, at the tabernacle or the temple of God. Something you have to understand about this story is that this moment when Jesus showed up was the time of the great Passover. 
It was the symbolic of Jesus Christ. And there was 300 to 400,000 Jews that were showing up to the temple to worship God. This was a reverent time, the most holy place and the most reverent time. But the people of the area became common with the house of God. And they made it to their own value. They made it to their own worth and not remembering the why they were there to celebrate. And that's why Jesus came out so angry. They made the house of God common. And now the pastor of the Jews was at hand and Jesus wept up, went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business. And when, when he made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, poured out the money changers table and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. And what happens in the house of God when we've been serving in it just a little bit of time? We may Say, say things like, I'm tired and I feel like I'm always at church. Now, are we mindful as a church to be careful of schedules? Yes, but we have to watch the hearts. I'm always there. I've been there every night of the week. No, thank God I get to serve at a church that is on fire, who is equipping us and, and preparing us and reaching the world for Jesus. You have to be careful that we're not familiar with serving in the house of God. It may say, you may say, Someone may say, because I don't want to point the finger, I'm just trying to expose the spirit, is that it's somebody else's turn to do that. I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for two years. I keep showing up and nobody wants to help me. It's somebody else's turn. Familiarity has creeped into the house of God. Because why are we here? To lift up Jesus. Why are we here to reach the lost for Jesus Christ? Why are we here to make a home environment for the lost to come in and feel the presence of God? Amen? Take care of their kids. Make them sure they have great worship. Receive a timely word from God. Loving on them. We get to be in the house of God. And if I get to serve in the house of God until Jesus comes every day, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity. We don't want to become familiar with God's presence or with his house. Amen? As something the leadership talked on when we were at our retreat. He said, if, if you, we're all janitors. If you see something on the floor, pick it up. See something in the parking lot, pick it up. Why? Because God's house is not going to be common to me. If I have to walk in the bathroom and there's, you know, towels everywhere and it's in between services, I'm like, why don't they send somebody to clean up the bathrooms? Well, how about you take a foot in that little garbage can, stick it in there, spray a little air freshener if it needs air freshener, right? This is God's house. Let's not be so familiar where we're looking for somebody else to find another job to take care of it, and this is our house. I'm going to make sure it looks good, make sure it smells good. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to greet my guests when they arrive, right? And I know this is your heart, but I'm just trying to expose areas that we can get too comfortable in. And then that familiarity creeps in, and it starts to go to the word of God and the anointing to pull you right out of this church, it's never going to happen, but that's what the devil would love to do, amen? So we have to have a servant's heart. We have to keep cleaning. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to do what's necessary. We had a couple ladies that jumped right into daycare tonight, and I'm sure that's not what they wanted to do. And I hate that they have to do it, honestly. I feel so bad. That's why we need a daycare worker. If anybody knows anybody, we have to hire someone. But you know what? They jumped up and took care of God's house. What a blessing, amen. I know many of you would have done that also, but we want to make sure that we're keeping our hearts pure for the house of God, amen. It's not becoming common. Familiarity with God causes us to lose respect 
and honor both to God and his house. We lose respect and honor. All right, number three, familiarity hinders or limits full reception of the anointing of God. Matthew 10, 41. Matthew 10, 41 says this. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. What is that saying? It's not just about, well, if you bless me as the pastor, you're going to have blessings coming back to you. No, it's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. He who receives the word of that prophet receives the word of that prophet. The prophet is the word of God. That's why we have to be careful that we're not familiar with me coming up, speaking another word, Pastor Paul coming up, speaking another word, and get familiar with it. Because if you only receive the man, you only reap the man's reward. It's so important that every time you come in here, we're checking our hearts to receive the word of God. No matter how painful it is, you've got to work through. Amen. Like I said, my old pastor's wife, it was excruciating sometimes. But I had to go in and hone on the word because I didn't want to get so familiar that cut me off. And I can tell you the greatest training I got was that season that I was with her. The greatest. I learned the most, but I couldn't become familiar or common. Amen. So you have to receive the word of God that comes from that prophet of God. Your reception of the blessing is based on how you receive your man or your woman of God. If you receive a man, you will reap a man's reward. So when you come in here, you're pulling on the word of God and the anointing of God that's on this house. Like I shared at our leadership meeting, the anointing, when Aaron was anointed as the high priest, any high priest that had the ceremony of being anointed, they would pour a bottle of anointing oil on them. And they use this example in the scripture. Um, they would pour it down, and it would be so much oil, it would run down Aaron's face, down his beard, down his vestibule, down to the hem of his garment. See, the anointing flows from up, and it flows down. So if the devil can cut you out from hearing the word of God and the flow of the authority of the house, you will get into familiarity and you will miss the anointing that flows from the top down. It goes from God to our bishop to me as the leadership to our pastors and elders and then those that are sanctioned and then down to all of you. But you can't cut off the word, amen? You can't cut off the anointing because when you're out of the anointing, you're missing the move of God. And that's why that this next few months we're going to be enforcing, I have to almost say, and I hate to say that, but that you worship one, serve one. Because if you're serving, 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 you're not under the anointing of the word and church has become familiar and the word has become familiar. And we can never let our leadership ever get in that place. We have to be so mindful. I remember when I started working for Living Word, their staff wasn't in church. That was a work day. It was considered a work day. And um, I would sneak in church all the time. I got in trouble all the time for sneaking in church. All the time. Why? Because I was hungry for the word. I wanted to know where my pastor was going. What was he saying? What's the word of God for the church? I wanted to connect to my pastor. Till finally I told my pastors, hey, I think all the staff should be in there. This is crazy. And they changed the rules and everybody probably hated me for it. But 
We need to come and go, I can't wait to hear what the word of God is today. I can't wait to draw from that message of God. And it may be a message you're like, oh, that really didn't do anything for me. That's okay. Listen, God will show you something, right? You'll get something from nothing. Jesus said, if the rocks, if you don't cry out, the rocks will. And if I can use a jackass to talk, I can definitely use somebody who you aren't enjoying that night. Or you weren't in the mood to hear, amen? (laughs) Always got to be hungry for God's word when you come to the house of God because you are the leaders. Leaders lead. If you're familiar, if you're common, the sheep will feel it. And the growth of this church will halt right here. This will be our capacity. We need to stay in the groove, amen? There's a heavenly reward that comes when you receive the anointed message from God. Amen. All right. Um, you can't treat your pastors, your men and women of God, as ordinary men. You've got to always make sure that you maintain that level of respect, pulling from the anointing in the position they're called to. I mean, you know, you can push me out of the way in a game. That's not about not honoring me, right? But heart. Heart. Always check the heart and make sure that it's in alignment. Because Judas hung out with Jesus the same with all the 12 men. Remember that. Judas saw miracles. Jesus, he saw demons cast out. He saw the storm that Jesus walked on. He saw the feeding of the 5,000. He saw um, the feeding of another 4,000. He was three years with Jesus. And yet he was a danger to the body of Christ. Why? Not because of a money problem. Oh, Judas stole the money. No, he had a heart problem. A heart problem can disrupt a church like nothing else. And those that have hung on through faith builders over the last 15 years and some 30 years, no. One heart can upset a whole storm in the church. Why? Because you're connected to people and a bad heart is contagious. That's why we got to mind our mouth, mind our hearts, right? Get our excitement. Forget who cares if it doesn't work out all the way that you think it should work out, right? It's all about Jesus at the end of the day anyway. It's the devil's way to come in and really stop the flow of God in this church. All right, number four, familiarity makes you critical and cynical. What used to be exciting to you, you can find complaint in it. Find complaint in how Pastor Barr preaches now. (laughs) I don't think you're doing that, but you see what I'm saying. Complain in how things are run. Become critical in the children's ministry. All of a sudden, what you didn't even see is anything wrong. Now you're starting to see little things critical. You've been married long enough, you see critical, right? You've been friends with someone, you see critical. We have to be mindful that we're not so familiar that we're disrespecting what God has called us to. And that's why we do marriage seminars once a year. Why? So that you don't become so familiar with your helpmate that you're losing the respect for one another, learning how to speak to each other, learning how to value each other, how to work through conflict. We don't put them on just to have big numbers. We don't want you to be common in your marriage. Don't be common as a parent. Don't be common as an entrepreneur. Don't be common in your leadership role. Everything we're focusing on is intentional leadership. Reading books, you know how to be a good spouse? There's a thousand books out there. And Kindle is cheap. I like the paper book. There's, don't wait for the church to do it. Go find out how to make your life better, how to get your finances better, how to be a great leader. I'm going to unpack all my books here in a, in a couple months. I bought a home, everybody, so I'm relocating, and I'm so excited. 
And um, I'm going solo, so I'm going to live by myself for the first time in a very long time. Quinn's getting her own cute place. And, and so I'm unpacking all my books. And I tell you, I got 100 books on how to be married. I just need to have an opportunity. You want to know why I can counsel you? I've read every book out there and how to be a great wife, preparing, how to be a wife, how to handle conflict, how to honor and respect a man. Men need respect. Women need value, not want. They need it. I could preach that book right now. (laughs) Men don't want respect. They need it. And women need to feel valuable. They don't need it. They don't want it. They need it. One of you is going to have to cave and start giving it away. Somebody humble yourself. I don't know who needs this today, but humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Either value or honor. I don't know which way it needs to go, but do it. Amen. Save your marriage. Make it valuable, right? Learn how to be a good parent. If you're raising boys, there's books on raising boys. Christian books on how to raise boys. Boys are different than girls. I read it. I read the book. I don't even have a child. Why? Because I always want to be a better leader. I don't want my walk with God to become common. I don't want my leadership in the kingdom to become common. God has troubled me since December 2018. Be a better leader. I'm not going to be common with pastoring. Hey, this is a great church. We grew. We got so God's blessed us. No. Common will rob away, what do we just say, the anointing of God. And if I capitalize here, that's where we all capitalize. Amen? So we have to be mindful of that. We don't want, we're talking about critical and being cynical. Amen? We don't want to be debating and arguing with the kingdom people. Let's walk in love, amen, and patience and recognize that familiar spirit. Number five, familiarity keeps you in stagnation. When you are stagnant, and you're familiar in your life, you start blaming everybody else instead of looking to yourselves. So easy to do, isn't it? We become critical and we become stagnant and we start pointing the blame. And this is where I was supposed to talk about um, having intentional leadership. (laughs) Grow yourself. Challenge yourself. Amen? Get in situations that make you uncomfortable. Be intentional. Amen? All right. Um... Familiarity with God prevents the Holy Spirit from working effectively both in the church and in the lives of Christians. What happens with stagnancy is like, and I'm not saying the church can't be better, but it's like, well, they need to train us in that. Well, why does the church office evangelism explosion if that's what we're supposed to do? That's you making an excuse to be stagnant. Because I was 17 years old at a big church of Sundays of God in Rockford, and they offered evangelism explosion, and I took the class. And I went street witnessing. I don't know why my parents allowed it, but they did. Right? And I'm not saying I'm perfect. You guys get what I'm saying. But stagnancy is our fault. If I'm not growing, it's my fault. I can't wait for the church to provide. We don't have enough time and people to prepare everybody. If you have a heart for which, by the way, we are launching a street evangelism team. And I haven't talked to the leaders yet, but I'm going to talk to them when I see them. But we're going to get you guys trained and take you to the streets, and you're going to lay hands on these homeless, drunk addicts that need Jesus Christ. Because we're going to be busy for Jesus, amen? We're going to be busy for Jesus. And so what's in your heart? Learn it. Maybe there's single moms here who says, man, I have a heart for single women. Why don't I have anything for single women? No, don't be stagnant. Put something together. 
Jump online, call a few moms together, have a play date. I think Pastor Bo did that last year. Had a bunch of women together. Get your passion. Don't wait for the church to excite you. Go and do it. If what you want to do wants to change someone's lives, I say yes. Yes, go do it. Change someone's lives. Amen? Do mom's days here where you drop all the kids off and pay that babysitter and hardly anything. And moms go out and enjoy themselves and get a pedicure or whatever. Get a lunch together or whatever it is. Amen? Do whatever's in your heart, but let's not become stagnant and wait for the church to prod you. Amen? We're called to prod ourselves. So be careful of familiarity. Amen? All right. Where are we at? Number six, familiarity stops the blessings from being received. When things become common, you limit the miracles of Christ. And I want to open up to Mark 6, Matthew, Mark 6, 1 through 6. 6, 1 through 6 says this. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. This was Jesus. Where did Jesus come? His own country. This was Jesus' hometown, Nazareth, where everybody knew him right? And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And with what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? They said, where is this man coming from? He speaks with wisdom. We want to know all about this. But what happened in verse 3? They saw the wisdom. They saw the call of Jesus. But what did they do? They familiarized themselves with Jesus. And they said in verse 3, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Is this not the carpenter? See, this is the guy we grew up with. This is the guy that we saw run in the streets. We don't think of Jesus like that. But we don't know what his behavior, maybe he was one of the awkward guys. I mean, he was the son of God, right? We don't know what kind of reputation. But they saw the anointing, but then they familiarized and said, But wait a minute, this is just a man. How could this man really change my life? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Jose, not Jose, just kidding. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but Judas and Simon, are there not his sisters here with us? So they were what? Offended with him. The moment that you are familiar with the word of God, leadership, the church, what happens? You are offended. I can't believe Pastor Barb said that from the pulpit when she knows that's what I'm going through. I can't believe they brought it up and they know that's what what I'm struggling with in my personal life. And I can tell you the purity from this pulpit, nobody's aiming any messages anywhere. I can tell you. But what happens? We get offended. Where before, if I walked from the back to the front and you knew I was busy and I was walking, she was just going to go preach. Now it's like she didn't even stop and talk to me. She talks to her every Sunday but never comes and talks to me. And that might be true, and I probably can be better. But do you see how offense comes? And when you get offended, you are one foot out the door. One foot. The devil rips you from a place where you are called to grow and build your family, amen. Put your children down in, help build the kingdom of God. And I know you guys are an amazing group to pastor, and I know you don't fall into these categories, but we are going to be aware before it comes, amen. That's why I'm passionately trying to teach this to you today. And so what happens? Um, Verse 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. 
Where does honor lose? Familiarity with each other. The hardest people to win is our family. Why? Because they know you. They know your lifestyle. They know the mistakes you made. And it's hard to win them to Christ because they are too common with you. And that's why you need to just let, let Jesus shine. Let your testimony rise to the top and God will vindicate you. And you will win them to Jesus because the Bible says when you're saved, your whole household's saved. So that's the promise of God. But you have to, you have to deal with familiarity. And they're going to be offended. Who are you to tell me I need Jesus? I know what you did. I know what happened in your life, right? Familiarity. We can't be offended by that. We have to recognize that's, that's familiarity that's cutting off the miracle they need in their life, right? But when I, become, when I become familiar, what happens? Go on down to verse, I think it is uh, 5. Keep going. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and they were healed. What happened? Jesus couldn't do any miracles because they were too familiar with him. Nothing could happen in that city but a couple little things. Can you see the dangers of familiarity? How it can come in and stop up the well that is called to be a living well to this community, to this city, and in this house. Amen. How many is learning something new tonight? I know, all of you are, because this is all brand new information for us, which is it's exciting. And verse 6 says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus marveled. Number six, familiarity stops the blessings from being received in your life. Nazareth was his own city. Nazareth was the town that he grew up in. Do you know that in the study of Luke chapter four, that they were, the Bible says that when Jesus spoke for signs and miracles, they had, um, I think the word was wrath. I think the word was wrath. They had wrath at him, rage. They were so angry because they saw the man and not the anointing that he walked in. They pushed him outside. They thronged him outside the city to throw him off a cliff. And you know what Jesus did? This is the supernatural. He walked out between the midst of all of them and disappeared. But see, what does familiarity do? Drives the word wants to kill the word, wants to destroy the word. That's why we have to guard our hearts and have to keep the word alive and active. Amen? All right. And then when that happens, you can't receive it anymore. It comes into contempt, to disregard, to hatred, to now you're an enemy of mine. It's so sad that that happens in the kingdom of God, isn't it? It's so sad. It's probably because people just don't know. They don't know what's happening in their life. All right, number seven, really quick. Familiarity always brings along a friend called the spirit of deception. The spirit of deception. Because he comes through lies. He tries to make a reality that isn't true. Makes you look at people a certain way that isn't happening. Now it's becoming the accuser of the brethren, and he's deceiving you. Number eight, familiarity also brings along another friend called spiritual blindness. And these are people who once used to sit in the front row, loved, truly loved God, tithed in the kingdom, served in the kingdom, and they got familiar, and it was the next row. Outside visiting, right? Serving too much. Back row, don't see them for a week. Back row, don't see them for a couple weeks. And then what? They're gone. And then you find out they cut you off of Facebook and they don't even like you. And you're like, ugh, what'd I do? I, you know, I don't even know what I did. But familiarity bred in at the very beginning. We have to cut that ugly deceiver's head off. Amen? 
cut it off so that the life of church can remain. And then they can't see. They can't see their deception. Once it's entered into this phase, you can't see you're being deceived. You have bought into what you really believe is true. And that is hard to win over. The Bible says an offended person is harder to win than a city. It's hard. And only the grace of God can come in and take hold of that thing, amen, and restore that. And number eight, familiarity hardens the heart. Hardens the heart. How can we avoid familiarity in our lives? Heart check. As leaders, always have a heart check. As partners who are married, heart check. Keep each other in balance when, balance when one wants to be negative, be positive. Don't allow negativity in your home. Don't give life to the devil. Don't give life to negative words, amen. Keep each other balanced always in the goodness of loving your church, loving worship, loving serving. Never come into that agreement where your hearts get hard. Check your heart. Renew your mind with the word of God. Spending time with God in prayer. Coming to church with an expected heart. Responding to the presence of God always. And by seeking after God and making him number one in our lives. You know, the number one answer is just love God. Have no expectations of the church and just love God. It'll might, I'm going to tell you guys, I've had my heart ripped out of ministry. If you've served in any capacity at a high level, your heart's ripped out. You're disappointed. People betray you. People leave the church. They talk about you. But at the end of the day, you go, but I just love Jesus. I love God's house. I love God's people. I'm not going to get wrapped up in all the church garbage and people's offenses. I'm not going to be pulled and swayed by all that stuff. I'm just going to, me and my house are going to serve the Lord. Amen. And if we can do that, guys, we're going to hit this next level of momentum. We're going to, because I know that you are. I know that you're going to have an understanding and recognize this. Amen? Because we have a long journey together, don't we? we got, uh, we've been together for 30 years almost. So, y'all, we're going to be together a long time. You'll probably see the baton pass when I'm old and tired, amen? And someone's going to rise up and take this church, and your children will be running the church. This is what the kingdom's about, is longevity, if we recognize that spirit and get it out of our hearts and our lives, amen? Amen. Any questions? Anything that come up and just kind of questions? Nothing? Guys good? Guys happy? Ready to do something for Jesus? Amen. Ready to take it by force? So am I. Welcome all some new faces tonight. We're so glad that you joined us. So let me just, and again, you guys, if you know anybody that has daycare that wants to teach or be paid, it's a paid position. We want to hire someone consistent. Krista is moving to Mesa. She got a promotion. She's been with us for 13 years, so I'm really going to miss her. She's just loyal, loyal, loyal. So if you know anyone that needs a job, a supplement, let us know, okay? Because I keep forgetting, and then we have to have people in there, and that's not a good thing. Pastor doesn't want to be involved anymore. <laughs> Titus is going to be involved. Sorry, Titus. You're over that now. But anyway, so you guys good? Amen. Father, I thank you for this group. We love you so much, God. We thank you that no familiarity is going to set in our hearts. God, any place where we've let anything become common, Lord, we've had anything inch in our hearts that would separate from the word or worship or our serving or our position. We renounce it. We call it sin. We get it out of our hearts, out of this house in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the joy that is set before us. We will run the race of God, Father God. No schisms, no division will get in our hearts in any way. But, Lord, we are dedicated to you, and we are dedicated to your purpose. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. 
love you all so much. Have a great night, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday night.